Good morning. Okay, so this is an, inter- an interactive message. Are you ready? Okay, I want you to look up on the screen. You ready? What do you see? Shout it out. Tell me what you see. An apple. Tell me about it. Tell me about the apple. What do you see? It's red. What else? It's got a leaf. It's got a stem. Yes. What else do you see? It's shiny. Yes, it's beautiful. And now tell me what you see on here. What do you see? An orange. And tell me about it. What do you see? It's orange. What else? It's wrinkled, yes. It's not as shiny as the apple. All right, so we've got two different fruits, and they have similarities. They're both fruit, and they're both sweet, and they have differences, like color, shape, texture, flavor. And I know they're just fruit, but I bet I can make you feel bad for one of them. 73% of consumers who purchase fruit will regularly buy apples, while 61% purchase oranges. The apple is the number one fruit chosen by painters and artists to display as their work and the number one gift given to teachers for Teacher Appreciation Day. (laughs) You may be feeling pretty sorry for the orange right now since we've concluded that the apple is considered the prettier fruit. But here's some facts about the orange. The orange has 140% of your daily requirement of vitamin C, while the apple only holds 7%. It has 72 milligrams of calcium compared to the apple, which has only six milligrams. Doctors recommend the orange more than any other fruit to naturally combat cold and flu symptoms and boost your immune system. So while the apple may win by appearance, the orange is way more successful. We could all take a poll and decide which one is our favorite, but to save some time, I'll tell you which fruit is most popular just based on my research. Now, the most popular fruit in the world, not just in the U.S., the winner is bananas. (laughs) Wait, wait, wait. So you're telling me that the apple spends the most time on her appearance and the orange spends the most work on the success in his career and the banana comes out of nowhere and steals the show. You know we're not comparing fruit. It's ridiculous, isn't it? We all have good qualities that make us unique and interesting, yet we continue to base ourselves and rank ourselves based on the person next to us. But what God wants from us is to see ourselves the way he sees us. Proverbs 22 verse 2 says, The rich and poor have this in common. The Lord made them both. Romans 2.11 says, For God does not show favoritism. In a world where we only see everyone's highest, happiest moments in life on social media, I think it's harder than ever not to compare. And if you struggle with jealousy or comparisons or discontentment, I think you probably fall into one of two traps. The first one is you might put yourself down. You say things, whether out loud or in your head, like, my body couldn't look like hers if I tried. Or, I'll never make as much money as him. Or, why doesn't my marriage work like theirs? We choose to believe that these people, either by their own doing or because somehow God loves them more, are just simply better than us or that our lives could never be as good as theirs. If you find yourself in this situation often, first off, you need to know that those thoughts are not from God. He wants you to be happy and fulfilled so you can live in the calling that he has on your life. The inferior or less than mentality we sometimes have is one of the sneakiest weapons of the enemy because it destroys relationships, it crushes dreams, and it leaves us feeling like God just isn't enough. I want to give you some tools you can start using right now when you start feeling like you're falling short. Instead of listening to Satan tell you what you're not, you've got to remind him who you are. 
John 1.12 says, but to all who believed in him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. 1 Corinthians 12.27, I love what it says in the message version. You are Christ's body. That's who you are. You must never forget this. I love when the Bible puts an exclamation point. Even when you're like reading alone in your room, you're like, mm, huzzah, right? I, maybe they said that in Bible times. I don't know. 1 Peter 2.9 says, but you are a chosen people a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Satan loves to distract you from what God has already told you you are. The next thing you can do is get perspective and then thank God. There's something about going on a missions trip to a poor foreign country that really puts things into perspective. You walk back into your house with the clean running water and all the amenities and you decide to change everything. You go online and pledge a monthly gift to an orphan. You tell your family, you'll no longer be wearing shoes so you can raise awareness for the poor. You eat rice and beans for dinner to remind yourself what others ha uh, have to eat in other countries. And that's great, don't get me wrong, but it lasts about 48 hours. We lose perspective quick, don't we? But the Bible is clear when it talks about where our blessings come from and who to thank for them. James 1.17 says, every good and perfect gift is from, a, uh, is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly light, who does not change like shifting shadows. And Psalm 106 says, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Church, we have so much to be grateful for. <laughs> so shift your mindset from what you have or to what you have and away from what you don't have or what you wish you had. The second trap of comparison you might be falling into is immediately putting down the other person. This one usually happens out loud. We say to our friend, yeah, but I bet their kids are little monsters at home. Or he's got to be deep in debt to be driving a car like that. Or sure, she's pretty, but what's she covering up under all that makeup? Here's the first step in quieting that jealousy because church, it is jealousy. Instead of treating the other pe person as your enemy, treat them like your family. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, So encourage each other and build each other up, just as you are already doing. I teach martial arts during the week, and one thing we try to do at the end of each class is something called a mat chat. I sit down with them, and we discuss either a tenet of Taekwondo or a Bible verse, and we talk about how we can apply it to our lives. And I've noticed that kids actually want it straight. Beating around the bush to spare their feelings doesn't work. They want you to tell it how it is. So can I speak to you for just a second like I talk to my kids in class? No one wants to be around a loud, jealous person. If you constantly voice your negative opinions about someone else's appearance or accomplishments, people can see right through to the core of your envy. There is no disguising it as, um, I'm making an observation or I'm telling it how it is. So to use the words of my parents, this might sting, but have you ever considered the reason you have trouble making or keeping friends is because you spend all your time judging others? When the energy you're expending could be used to deepen your friendships. When you're a person who celebrates others' victories, you make more friends, you deepen your relationships, and people want to be around you. So start feeling proud of people doing great in life. And the last thing I encourage you to do when you feel the urge to put someone down is consider the consequences. Proverbs 14.30 says, A peaceful heart leads to a healthy body. Jealousy is like cancer in the bones. The person you hurt the most with your comparisons is you. 
But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and contentment. Is that what it says? No. See, we live in a world where instant gratification and entitlement are our ripest fruits. When did, we, uh, when did God ever say we'd have everything we want? When did he promise us we'd be the best looking, most successful, well-rested, and most organized person on the planet? We want it, sure, but we weren't promised that. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. That's John 16, and it applies to all of us. I know it's easy to see what others have and think it's unfair and, um, you know, we wish that we had it. Even when someone we love is less fortunate, we believe to our core that they should have the job and the family and the car and the career that they want. There's a reason why we always root for the underdog, and it's because we were made in God's image and God roots for the underdog. James 4, 6 says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So it's okay to work for more, to pray for more, to expect more blessings from God when we're obedient to him. But living in a rut and waiting for the blessings to rain down from heaven, I think you'll find yourself in a dry season. You never hear of people on their deathbed listing off the material things that they wish they had during their time on earth. My hope is that once we apply these tools, we'll learn to be content with never being content. Can I pray for you? God, thank you for bringing us here this morning. Thank you for this church family. God, I pray for those who are struggling, God, with comparisons, with wanting what someone else has or with feeling down because they don't have it. I pray, God, that you would help us to embrace contentment in you, God, in who you are and being satisfied with all that you have given us because you've blessed us more than we could ever imagine. We love you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.